Amen. All right, well, we're there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And on Wednesday nights, we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're just going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book, and uh, just dissecting it, figuring out what we can learn from there as we go through and study the Bible on Wednesday nights. And I'd like, I'd like to just, this is not a long chapter. It's not long and it's not complicated. Uh, it's easy to understand if you're saved. Uh, and it actually deals with that subject. But I, I'd like to give you just five statements tonight in regards to this chapter. And if you don't have a baby on your lap, maybe you can write these statements down. And uh, on the back of the course of the week, there's a place for you to write sermon notes. But I'd like to give you five statements. We're just going to go through the chapter, learn from it, and we won't be any longer than we need to. I kind of preach some long sermons on Sunday, so I'll try to make up for them tonight. But I'm not making any promises, all right? In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, If you look there at verse number one, the Bible says this, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not, I want you to notice what he says, says, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. Now, I want you to understand, when he says wisdom there, he's talking about man's wisdom, and that's the context. In fact, if you look down at verse four, he says man's wisdom, and in verse six, he says wisdom of this world. So he says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech, or of wisdom, again, man's wisdom, the world's wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We're going to come back to that statement at the end of the sermon. Look at verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in trembling. Notice verse 4. And my speech... So in verse 1 he said, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. In verse 4 he says, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Notice what he says. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. And this, you know, if you remember chapter 1, he dealt a lot with this idea of the world's wisdom. And here, what he's teaching and what he's saying, and if you'd like to write down this statement, here's point number one tonight, and the first thing we learn in this passage is that our preaching, our preaching should not require words of man's wisdom. Our preaching does not require me or you, or if you're a soul winner, doesn't require you to come with the excellency of speech or of wisdom. It doesn't require enticing words of man's wisdom. And you say, well, well, why is that? Well, the reason is in verse 5, because your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. See, if you need to go get some education or go get some book or go get some lesson somewhere of something that's not taught in the Bible, then, you know, in order to understand the Bible, then you're not being taught the Bible. Because the preaching should not require words of man's wisdom. Look down at verse number 13. Notice what he says in verse 13. Which things also we speak. Notice what he says. Not in the words of man's, uh, in the words which man's wisdom teaches. So he says, look, when a Bible-believing preacher preaches the words to you, they should use two types of words. Either biblical words, you know, biblical terms from the Word of God, or plain words, simple words, things easy to be understood. We saw that last time we were in in 1 Corinthians. And here's what I want you to understand. 
Today, you might think like, oh, well, does this really apply to us today? And keep in mind that Paul was writing to the church at Corinth during a time when Greek philosophy was, you know, uh, at, its, at its prime. And you had many people that wanted to just hear and tell some new thing. And people wanted to philosophize and they wanted to say, and here's what he's saying. He's saying there are many blowhards. And look, there, there was in the time of Paul and there are today many proud arrogant blowhards who teach the Bible, so they say, using excellency of speech or using enticing words of man's wisdom or using the words which man's wisdom teacheth. You say, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. When a person gets up and they want to teach you the Bible and they start talking about the word sovereign, well, you've got to understand the word sovereign, brother. You know, and churches today don't want to talk about sovereignty. Uh, maybe churches don't want to talk about sovereignty because the word's not found in the Bible. Amen. You know, because it's not a biblical word. Because it's not something that God's word... You know, we're not supposed to come with enticing words of man's wisdom. Here's another one. Exegesis. Today I'm going to get up and I'm going to accurately exegete the passage. Hermeneutics. Homiletics. Laity. Liturgy. Soteriology. And my personal favorite, dialectic bifactionalism. You know, and, and, you, and people throw these terms out, and they're like, and you know, you can see them, they're just kind of like, I'm so smart. And listen to me, here's all you need to understand. When someone is teaching you the Bible, and using, so-called teaching the Bible, and using worldly terminology, please understand, their goal is not to teach you anything. Their goal is to simply impress you. Their goal is to condescend down to you, is to speak condescendingly, to, to, to use words that they know you don't understand, that they know nobody normally uses. Why? Just to sound smart. But is that how Paul said we ought to preach his word, the word of, the, of the word of God? He says, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. He says, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. He says, your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, yet not the wisdom of this world. He says, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. And here's what you need to understand. When someone comes to you with all these terms and all these things that are not found in the Bible, and listen, and listen there's, I think there, from time to time, there may be a need to bring up a term and define it during the course of teaching. You know, that's part of teaching. Even in the Bible, there are words that we don't often use. And, and you can say, well, here's this word, you know, and you can explain what it means. There's nothing wrong with that. But when someone's just throwing out these terms, assuming that, no, that most people aren't going to understand them, they have one goal. You're just listening to a blowhard. You're listening to a very arrogant individual. When someone is teaching the Bible and using these terminology, their goal is to impress you, and they are not teaching you the Bible at all. Because here, here's what you need to understand. If they were teaching you the Bible, look, because if it's teaching from the Bible, or if their teaching wasn't the Bible, why not just use the Bible? I mean, if they're teaching you something that supposedly God's Word emphasizes and teaches, well, why not just show it to you from the Word of God? And have you noticed how the men of God that are accused of being shallow and ignorant and uneducated, you know, but we get up and we just prove everything we believe from the Word of God. 
We don't get up and say, well, here's what I believe and here's what I think and let me use these fancy words. I don't even understand it myself. It just makes me sound smart. Look, we just show you what the Bible says and we explain what the Bible says. So the first thing we learn here is that our preaching should not require words of man's wisdom. And if somebody's trying to teach you something and they're using words that aren't found in the Bible, that are confusing, they're just meant to impress you, here's what they're trying to do is they're trying to put their brain and show it off to you. And say, Here's how, look how smart I am. Look, Paul said that his preaching was not with excellency of speech, nor with enticing words of man's wisdom. So he begins this chapter by explaining, look, our preaching should not require words of man's wisdom. But then he says this, and here's point number two if you want to write down the statement. The natural man cannot understand the things of God. The natural man cannot understand the things of God. Notice verse 7. He says, so he just got done saying how we shouldn't preach, how we shouldn't speak, how we shouldn't, you know, communicate the word of God. Then in verse 7, he says this, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. We're going to come back to that. Look at verse 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew. He says, look, we're speaking and we're preaching truth that none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Notice verse 9. But as it is written. Now, I want you to notice verse 9 because oftentimes people will use verse 9 as a verse about heaven. And, and I'm not saying if you've done that, that's a bad thing. I, I'm sure I've done that. But if you look at the context of which verse 9 is in, it's not talking about heaven because notice what he says. He says, but as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And usually we, we, we quote that verse in the context of heaven. I'm going to come back to the context here in a minute and show you uh, how it's not heaven. But look at verse 14 just real quickly. But the natural man, what is that referring to? Just the normal man that's not saved. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Notice what it says. Neither can he know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. He's, here's what he's saying. He says, the natural man cannot understand the things of God. The unsaved man cannot understand things of God. And Jesus taught this. Go to the book of John, just real quickly. Keep your place in 1 Corinthians and go to John chapter number 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. When you get to John, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come right back to it. John chapter number 10. And you know, let me, let me say this. We don't believe, you know, salvation is by grace through faith, not of works. We don't believe that people have to repent of their sins to be saved. We don't believe that people have to do anything to show. You know, today you got people who say, well, you know, uh, by their fruits you shall know them. Okay, that's talking about false prophets. It's not talking about Christians. All right? And people say, well, you can tell if somebody's saved by their works. No, you can't. Okay? Now, you can tell somebody's right with God by their works. You know, a Christian, but you can have, you can be a Christian that does no works. The Bible teaches that. Romans 4 teaches that very clearly. So how someone lives their life after salvation has nothing to do with proving if that individual is safe. But I do believe there are some tests, and obviously we could never know 100% if anybody's saved, all right? Uh, you don't know, I, I mean, only God knows really for sure. But there is a test that you can, you know, start to look at an individual and ask yourself, 
you know, this person is saved or start considering the fact that this person may not be saved. You say, well, what is that test? Why well, are you there in John chapter 10? Look at verse 26. John chapter 10 and verse 26. The Bible says this. Jesus said this, but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. He says, you're not of my sheep. You don't believe as I said unto you. Notice what Jesus says in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. See, Jesus said, if you don't believe, you're not of my sheep. But he said this, if you are one of my sheep, my sheep hear my voice. You say, what are you talking about? Here's what he's saying. If you're not his sheep, you can't hear his voice. If you are his sheep, if you are a believer, if you are saved, you now have the ability to hear the voice of God, to understand the word of God. We're going to talk about that here in a second. And here's what I want you to understand. You say, well, why? Why is that? Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness. And here's what I want you to understand, all right? Everybody has the ability to be wrong about something. All believers, you know, I'm sure there are things I'm wrong about. Every believer probably has something that they don't understand or they don't get. But when you get around so-called Christians and everything that comes out of their mouth is wrong. I mean, have you ever met people like that? Where it's like every time I talk to this person, he's saying something heretical. He's saying something wrong. He's not understanding something. You know, when you get to the point where you're looking at someone and you're like, man, you're not right on almost anything. I mean, look, this is how it should be. Most Christians, you should be able to explain to them, you know, just basic biblical things about the Word of God, and they get it, and they understand it. It makes sense. You can't lose your salvation. It makes sense. You don't have to repent of your sins because that would be worse. It makes sense. But when you talk to people and they're just wrong about everything, you know, you may want to consider the fact that they may just not be saved because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Because my sheep hear my voice, is what Jesus said, and I know them and they follow me. And again, I'm not saying that they have to believe everything right. We can all be wrong on doctrine, not understand wrong. But when you start getting to a point where it's like, man, everything this person is saying, everything this lady is saying, everything they believe is wrong, you know, you may have someone on your hands who's not saved. Why? Because a natural man cannot understand the things of God. Now, you may ask, well, why is that? Or a better question would be, why can the saved man the saved person, why can they understand the Spirit of God? Go back to 1 Corinthians 2. Keep your place in, in John. We're going to come back to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You say, how can we understand the things of God? Or why do we as believers understand the things of God while the natural man or the unsaved man does not understand the things of God? 1 Corinthians 2, look at verse 6. Notice what he says. How be it? We speak wisdom. Now again, he's saying we shouldn't speak the wisdom of man's wisdom, the world's wisdom. He says, howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Now what does the word perfect mean in the Bible? Let me explain to you. This is how you teach the Bible. See the word perfect there? That's not the word perfect in the same sense that we use it today. The word perfect in the Bible means to be complete or to be whole. And here he says, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That is a reference to people that are saved. Because unsaved people are not whole. Unsaved people are not complete. Their spirit is dead, all right? Saved people, their spirit is alive. They are now whole. There's a body, soul, and spirit. Jesus would often heal somebody, and, 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 and he would uh, save them by faith, and he would say that they are whole, that they are complete. So look, notice what he says. Howbeit we speak wisdom. Speak wisdom to who? 
among them that are perfect. He's talking about people that are saved. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. He says, we don't speak the wisdom of this world. We're not using terms of this world, thoughts of this world. He says, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. You say, well, what's wrong with the wisdom of the world? The wisdom of the world, look at the last part of verse 6, it will that it come to naught is what it says. It's going to come to naught. It's, it's, it's going to end. There's no, it's not going to prosper like the wisdom of God. Look at verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God. Notice, but we speak the wisdom of God. Notice these words, in a mystery. See, the wisdom of God is a mystery. You say, a mystery to who? To the natural man. Because my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Uh, but, you know, he says, uh, those that, that don't believe, they can't hear the voice. Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Notice verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even, notice the words, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. He said, we speak the hidden wisdom, the wisdom that's a mystery. Notice verse 9. But as it is written. Well, look at verse 8. We already talked about it, but look at it again. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And usually people, you know, talk about heaven and, and eternity from that verse. But here's the thing. He says, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But look at verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. So notice, he's not talking about like heaven because we haven't seen heaven. He's saying, I natural man, unsaved man, the eyes of an unsaved man hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered in the, the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. You say, what is that talking about? Here's what that's talking about. It's talking about the fact that an unsaved person can pick up this Bible all day long and read it all day long, and they're not going to understand it. And by the way, that's why an unsaved person can't just get saved by reading the Bible on their own. Amen. I mean, in the book of Acts, we see that, uh, we, we, we see that uh, a, a, what was it, not the, I'm thinking Philippian uh, eunuch, uh, the eunuch, there you go. We see the eunuch as he was reading the book of Isaiah, and he's asked, understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, well, how can I except some man should guide me, right? Because, look, you say, well, why couldn't I understand it? Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And you say, well, what do you get when unsaved people read the Bible and try to be religious? Well, you get things like the Roman Catholic Church, you know, where they're just, where it seems like they're doing the exact opposite of what the Bible says, right? Where we talked about this, where, you know, God said, where Jesus says, don't repeat and chant this verse over and over. And then what does the Roman Catholic Church say? They say, well, let's take that verse and chant it over and over. Or Jesus says, don't call any man father on this earth. And what does the Roman Catholic Church say? Let's call our leaders father. You know, or Jesus says, hey, you know, the Bible says that Mary is just a woman that was a sinner like any other woman. And she needed Jesus, you know, as her savior. And what does the Roman Catholic Church say? Well, let's worship her. You, and it's all, you almost start laughing and thinking to yourself, like, are these people serious? I mean, everything... Everything that the Bible says, they get it the opposite. You know, you, what happens when unsaved people start studying the Bible and, and being religious? You get things like the Jehovah's Witnesses, who literally teach that the 144,000, we all stay on earth, the 144,000 go to heaven. If you read the book of Revelation, you know it's the exact opposite. 
We, go, we all go to heaven in the rapture and the 144,000 come down on the earth, you know, sealed during the wrath of God. They have a seal so the wrath won't come upon them. And you say, well, how could they just not understand it? Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. You know, the Bible talks about the fact that when you die, your soul goes to heaven and your body sleeps. It calls the death of the body sleep. What do the Jehovah's Witnesses teach? They say, no, your soul's sleeping. I mean, the exact opposite of the Bible. And you're like, well, I don't, how can they not understand it? How, how can they not see it? But it's very simple. It's because they're not saved. It's because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Well, how do we understand the Word of God? We understand the Word of God. Well, notice what he says. Look at verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us, notice, by His Spirit. It is only by the Spirit of God that we can understand the Word of God. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Look at verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man? Now, now notice what he says in verse 11. Verse 11 is an interesting verse. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying, the only reason that you and I can communicate together, a human can communicate with another human, is because we both have a human spirit. See, some of you think you communicate with your dog, but you don't. All right? You don't understand that dog. That dog doesn't understand you. And I hate to break it to you, but if that dog got hungry enough, he'd eat you in your sleep. All right? You say, why? There's no dog whisperer. There's no, you know, whatever. You, you say, why can we understand and communicate? Because we both have the same spirit as far as a human spirit. And, you know, probably dogs can understand other dogs, you know, and their barking probably makes sense to them. And cats can understand. But we don't have their spirit. Now, notice what he says, verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Notice what he says. Even so... Or in the same way, the things, of God, the things of God knoweth no man. What? The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The things of God receiveth no man, but the Spirit of God. See, you need the Spirit of God in you for you to understand the things of God. And you're in your natural state, as an unsaved person, you cannot understand the Bible. You cannot comprehend the Bible. And if you begin to study the Bible, you'll come up with all sorts of just stupid stuff, which is why you talk to people, and it's like everything they say to you is wrong, and I'm just thinking to myself, this person is not even saved. They don't understand just basic biblical things. They don't understand it because they're a natural man. Look at verse 12. Now we have received, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Okay, go back to John. Let's see if we can see this in, in, in other passages of script, Scripture. Go to John chapter 14. You were in John 10. Go to John chapter 14. The Bible teaches that the only reason you can understand the Word of God is because of the Spirit of God. The natural man cannot understand the Spirit of God. And look, so, somebody's going to write me an email telling me about how some unsaved person, you know, understood something or got saved. And look, and that, and that person's not going to be saved. Because, you know... It's, isn't it, I mean, isn't that simple to understand when we just read those verses and explained it? Didn't you just, the Spirit of God in you just said, that's truth, that's right, that's what the Bible says. John 14, look at verse 26. John 14, verse 26. John 14, verse 26. And look, listen to me. It's, it's not that hard to get it. If you want to understand, if you want to understand, you know, how unsaved people cannot understand the Word of God... Just go on the Verity Baptist Church YouTube channel and read the comments left by unsaved people. 
I, mean, I got up and I was preaching about Jack Hiles, you know, and how Jack Hiles taught the reprobate doctrine. And then somebody writes this, you know, thing about how, like, I can't believe that you would call Jack Hiles a reprobate. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? I didn't call him a reprobate. Are you stupid? No, but it's not that they're stupid. It's just that they're probably not saved. They can't just understand basic things, you know, from the Word of God. Or just, just when you're explaining the Word of God. Or when you're just reading somebody else. You know, I'm quoting, I'm reading Jack Howe saying, there's a line drawn, once you pass it, you can't be saved. And it's like, no, he never taught that. You know, he, he never believed that. His people are dumb. You know, they don't understand it. They don't get what the Bible says. John 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, that's the Holy Spirit, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Notice what it says. He shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So according to Jesus, who's going to teach you all things? The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Go to John 16 and verse number 13. John 16 and verse number 13. John 16 and verse number 13. John 16, 13. And by the way, that's also the reason that, you know, unsaved people, need, they need us to explain the gospel to them. You know, I don't do this soul winning and if you guys do it whatever it's fine but you know this whole like well let me leave you with a verse if you're going to leave them with a verse leave them with an explanation because just leaving them with a verse doesn't do anything for an unsaved person they don't get it they don't understand it all right do you understand what i'm saying john 16 are you saved? no john 16 look at verse 13 john 16 verse 13 John, and you know, if you leave with explanation, then great. You know, we were like, well, let me leave you with a verse. And then they give him some random verse, you know, it's like they walk away from them. It's like, you didn't do anything for him. The, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. John 16, 13, how be it? Notice what Jesus said. When he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you in all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So again, we're being told that the Spirit of truth is the one that will guide you in all truth. Go to 1 John. You're in John, the Gospel of John. Go to 1 John, towards the end of the New Testament. 1 John chapter 2. If you start at the end and head back, you got Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, look at verse number 27. 1 John 2, 27. Notice what the Bible says. 1 John 2.27, but the anointing, that's a reference to the Holy Spirit, you can study that out if you'd like, the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, okay, that's the Holy Spirit that abides in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it hath taught you, Ye shall abide in him. So notice, the Bible is very consistent. The way, why do we understand the hidden things of God, the mystery of God? It's not because you're smart. It's not because you're special. It's because you're saved. It's the Holy Spirit of God inside of you who's guiding you in all truth, who's teaching you all truth, who is, uh, abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things. Go, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And, and look, it's very, you listen to false prophets preach, you listen to people that aren't saved try to teach the Bible, and it's funny because they'll, like, they'll say things that it's like, that makes absolutely no sense. I mean, there's no way. When the, these guys, they're like, the Bible doesn't emphasize soul winning, it's like, are you not saved? Because it's the only thing, it's like, the only thing that comes up. Have you read the Bible? I mean, it's constantly coming up, soul winning, reaching people with the gospel. 
1 Corinthians 2, look at verse 13. Now, with that said, so what have we said? Number one, our preaching should not require words of man's wisdom. Why? Why? Because, look, why would we use the words of unsaved men that can't even understand the Bible? So, we need to understand that the, mat- the natural man cannot understand the things of God. We speak the hidden wisdom of God. I don't know if you wrote that statement down. That was statement number three. We speak the hidden wisdom of God by the Spirit of God. And God's Spirit is going to use God's Word. That's why we use Bible words. That's why we use words like redemption, like believe. We use biblical words that are from the Bible. And people accuse us of being ignorant. No, we're just using the Word of God. We're not going to use words that are enticing words of man's wisdom. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 13. Now, with all that said, notice what he says in verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, right? Didn't we just see all that? The Holy Ghost is the one that teaches. The Holy Ghost is the one that leads you. The Holy Ghost is the one that guides you, which the Holy Ghost teacheth. How does the Holy Ghost teach? Here's how the Holy Ghost teach. Comparing spiritual things with a commentary. Is that what it says? Comparing spiritual things with a theological, you know, dictionary, with a lexicon. Look, he says comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You don't need a commentary or theological books, you know, to understand the Bible. The Holy Ghost can guide you in all truth. The Holy Ghost can teach you the Word of God. And look, there's nothing wrong with looking up. On Sunday, I talked about how I looked up a word in the dictionary. But here's the thing. You look up a word in the dictionary, you know, after you've already defined it from the Word of God. And if the dictionary has a different definition, you go with the Word of God. Because we understand, we, we study God's Word by comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, let me just give you some examples. What do you mean by that? Or how does that work? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual when you're studying the Bible. Go to the book of Isaiah just real quickly. I'm going to give you two examples of this. And, it's, and you guys are all, I'm sure you're all familiar with this, but let me just uh, show it to you uh, just so you can understand. You know, what does it mean to compare spiritual things with spiritual? Go to Isaiah chapter 7 and just keep your finger there in Isaiah. And, 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 and we're going to go to Matthew also, but keep your finger in Isaiah because we're going to come back uh, to Jeremiah, which is right uh, next to Isaiah. Go to Isaiah chapter 7, and then go to Matthew chapter number 1. Isaiah chapter 7, Matthew 1. I'll give you a second to get there. Isaiah chapter 7, and Matthew chapter 1. Notice what the Bible says. Isaiah 7, and Matthew 1. Now, in Isaiah chapter 7, I want you to look down at verse number 14. Isaiah chapter 7, and verse number 14. Notice what the Bible says. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. This is just an example of how to compare spiritual things with spiritual. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is a prophecy in the book of Isaiah of the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and uh, shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, that verse is quoted. Notice what the Bible says in Matthew 1, 23. Behold, a virgin shall... Now, notice in Isaiah, it said conceive. In Matthew, it says, be with child. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Okay, so here's how you compare spiritual with spiritual. 
whenever you see passages like this that are quoting each other, you can compare them, and often this is how God defines words for us. So when Isaiah 7.14 says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and then God quotes that, or it's quoted by the Holy Spirit of God, because it is the Holy Spirit of God that inspired Isaiah to say those words. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, is what the Bible says. And it is the Holy Spirit of God that came upon Matthew to pen those words or to say those words. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. What is God trying to teach us? That when a woman conceives, that is the child. Now you say, well, why does that matter? Well, today people say that when a woman conceives, it's a blob or a fetus. It's not a human. And you can abort it. But is that what the Word of God says? No. God says when you conceive, you have a child. You have a life. And I'm just trying to explain to you. This is how you compare spiritual things with spiritual. You allow the Word of God to define itself. You say, well, that only works with parallel passages. But God, you see this all throughout the Bible. Let me give you another example. Go to Jeremiah chapter 6. We saw this on Sunday morning. I'm just going to show it to you again. Because you're there in Isaiah, just one book over. Jeremiah 6. Often God will define words for us. We compare spiritual things with spiritual. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse... So look, did I have to open up a dictionary, a commentary to tell you, hey, when you conceive, that's a child according to the word of God? No, we just compare spiritual with spiritual. Jeremiah 6, verse 30. Remember, we're, we're talking about this word on Sunday, reprobate. Reprobate silver shall men call them. Why? Because the Lord hath rejected them. What does the word reprobate mean? It means rejected. It means rejected of God. It means the Lord hath rejected them. See how the Bible just defined itself for us? And look, we can look at tons of examples of this. We're not going to take the time to do it. But here's what I'm telling you. That's how you study the Word of God. And by the way, you guys that want to be preachers, you know, you cannot just assign definitions. Well, I think this parable is talking about this. Well, where in the parable or where in the Bible can you connect? Well, I just think that's what it's talking about. You don't get to do that. You have to allow the Bible to define itself through its context or to define itself by just studying it out in other scriptures. You know, you, you study the word seed and the word of God in, in the Bible, and it's always a reference to the word of God. I can prove that to you from the Bible. That's how we must study the Bible. That's how, must, how we must understand the Bible. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So what have we learned in this passage tonight? Number one, we learned that our preaching should not require words of man's wisdom. If someone says to you, well, let me explain to you how the pre-tribulation rapture works, and you're like, okay, show it to me in the Word of God. And they're like, well, here's the thing. I'm going to need this other book, and then this, uh, you know, drawing, and I'm going to need it. Look, there's nothing wrong with the drawing, but people should be able to teach you things just from the Bible. Amen. They shouldn't have to bring in some, well, some theologian and some father somewhere said these things, and this is what we think. No, no, no. You should be able to, it should not require words of man's wisdom. The natural man cannot understand the things of God. Was another thing we learned in this passage. We speak the hidden words of God by the Spirit of God. We speak the mysteries of God by the Spirit of God. We study the Bible. The fourth thing we saw in this passage, we study the Bible by comparing the Bible with the Bible. By comparing spiritual things with spiritual. There's a fifth thing I'd like you to notice that Paul emphasizes in this passage. And we'll be done. Like I said, this is a short chapter, so we won't take very long. But I want you to notice in verse 2, we, we uh, skipped it because I wanted to get the main teaching, and then I want to show you this verse. Um, 
and, and see what Paul says here. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2. And here's what Paul said. He said, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He said, For I determined not to know anything among you. He says, I determined not to know, not to learn, not to consider, not to talk about, not to think about anything among you. Save, the word save means except. He says, except for this, except for this. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now here's a question. When he says Jesus Christ and him crucified, what is he talking about? Okay, well, we need to allow the Bible to divide itself, right? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. He's already defined that term for us in chapter 1. Let's look at it together in case you don't remember. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17. 1 Corinthians 1, 17, notice what he says. For Christ sent me not to baptize... But, he says, Christ didn't send me to baptize, but he did send me to do this, but to preach, notice these words, the gospel. To preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now, hold, hold on a second, Paul. Are we talking about the cross of Christ, or are we talking about the gospel? Because you just got done saying that he sent you to preach the gospel. Now you're telling us that you're not speaking, preaching the gospel with the wisdom of the world. And the reason you're not preaching the gospel with the wisdom of the world, lest or unless the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So is it the, the gospel or is it the cross of Christ? Now notice in verse 17 he said, to preach the gospel. Notice verse 18. For the preaching. Now according to verse 17, what is he preaching? The gospel. He says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Notice verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified. Here's what I understand. He's using Christ crucified, the cross, the, the, the cross of Christ, the crucifixion, as a synonym for the gospel. You say, why? Because the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he's using that term as a synonym with that understanding, if you're saved, it should be pretty easy to see, preach the gospel, not so the cross of Christ should not be made an unaffect. We're preaching the cross. We preach Christ crucified. With that said, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2. Because it's a pretty powerful statement that he just made. He says, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. You say, well, what does that mean? He's saying, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and the gospel. Save Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, why is that important? Here's why that's important. Because today you've got a bunch of blowhards and people that want to attack, you know, churches like this church and say, they'll, they'll say, well, it's moronic to think. That the sum total of the Christian life is to preach the gospel. Well, you know what? Then Paul must have been a moron. Because Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, you'd ask Paul, Paul, are you interested in the first principle? I'm not interested in nothing but the gospel. That's what he would say. He said, I determined not to. Well, Paul, do you want to sit down with a cup of coffee and talk about government? No. I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ. And him crucified. Is that not what the Bible says? Look, is that that hard to understand? If you can't get it, it's probably because you're not saved. It's probably because you just can't understand the Bible. It's probably because you just can't understand the Word of God. Now, you say, you, and these, you talk to people like this, and they literally think they're smarter than Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. 
Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you. Save Jesus Christ and I'm crucified. Okay, so are you smarter than Paul? How about this? Are you smarter than Christ? Let's see what Christ said. Go to Luke 19. Luke 19. Because Paul said, I'm consumed with one thing. I'm consumed with one thing. He said, Christ didn't even send me to baptize, but he did send me to preach the gospel. He said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And listen to me. Any Christian who's not soul winning is not worth his salt. It shouldn't be teaching you anything. Why? When they're mocking soul winning, they're mocking the main emphasis of the word of God. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. What did Jesus say? Notice, the words are in red because Jesus spoke them. Notice what Jesus said. Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Sounds like he's got one agenda. It sounds like like Paul just decided to make the agenda of Christ his agenda. And listen to me. His last command should be our only priority, which is the Great Commission, which is the preaching of the gospel of Christ. Go to Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. Look at verse 6. Acts chapter number 1. Acts 1. You got, you're there in Luke, you got John, and then the book of Acts. Acts 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. Now in Acts 1, 6, for those of you that aren't saved, listening to the sermon, we're talking about Jesus after his resurrection. Acts 1, 6. Notice what it says. When they therefore were come together, they asked him. They asked the resurrected Christ after his resurrection. Notice what they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Notice what they asked. Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? You know what they're asking? They're saying, Lord, are you going to bring political reform? Now that you've died and resurrected, you know, because I don't know, should we be preaching the gospel or should we be preaching the, the message of the kingdom? Restoring the kingdom. Will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Saying, Lord, should we start talking about the political reform of the kingdom now that you've died and resurrected? Look at verse 7. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his power. He says, that's none of your business. He says, you're trying to meddle in things that outrank you. He says, you don't need to worry about that. But notice what he says in verse 8. Here's what you should worry about. But ye, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost will come upon you, and ye shall be widowed. Talking about soul winning again? Soul winning, soul winning, soul winning, soul winning. Sounds like that's all he cares about. But ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is asked, are you going to bring political reform? And he says, don't worry about that. Just worry about the gospel. Amen. Just worry about soul winning. Just worry about reaching people. There. Paul, one of the greatest men who ever lived, said, I determined not to know anything among you. Save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And today you got unsaved people attacking churches like ours and saying, well, you know, they're kind of moronic thinking. That the full sum of Christianity is soul winning. Sounds like that's what Jesus thought. Sounds like that's what Paul taught. Sounds like that's what the Word of God teaches. Look, and if you're saved, isn't that just crystal clear? And if you don't understand it, it's because the natural man understandeth not. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. It's foolish to them. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse 4. We'll finish just these two verses we didn't cover. And my, spree- and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man wis- man's wisdom. Notice what he says. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. 
but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You say, how do you know when someone's right with God? How do you know when someone's doing the, the will of God? Here's how you know when you see the demonstration of the spirit and of the power in their lives. It's funny because I was having this talk with Pastor Anderson. This was a couple months ago. And we're talking about the foolishness of people who say like, well, you know, you need to go to the church that's most right. You know, because they, they were trying to attack his church and saying like, well, our church is more right than your church, you know. And it's like, you know, people like that don't even understand the Bible. Because when you study the Word of God, you know what God emphasizes for the church? You know what he emphasizes? Go, go read Revelation chapters 2 and 3 when he's talking to the seven churches of Asia. You know what he keeps emphasizing? Their works. Amen. Even when their doctrine's bad. Their works are the right thing. And Pastor Anderson was telling me, you know, how when he went to Bible college, which obviously we don't recommend Bible college, but when he went to Bible college, he chose Howes Anderson College. You know, he knew that they were wrong on some doctrines, but he was really attracted to their works because they had thousands of people out soul winning, many people getting saved every week, you know, back when he went to, to Bible college. And he was saying, that's really how you should be choosing. Here's what Paul says. You say, you want to know? He said, you want to know that the power of God is on my life? It's not because I'm sitting around having, you know, navel gazing, being a blowhard, using all these enticing words and sounding real smart. It's because of the demonstration of the spirit and of the power because we are working in the power of God. And listen to me, when people's lives get changed, when people get saved, when people like Brother Montel say, hey, God answered a prayer. God did something great for us. God since we started coming to this church and started reading the word of God, started getting right with God, God has been working our life. Hey, that's the fruit of the power of God, the spirit of God. You say, well, yeah, but Pastor Jimenez, you don't use really complicated terminology. Hey, praise the Lord. We're preaching the word of God. Because look, when someone is just using all these words, exegesis, homiletics, they're just trying, they're trying to, they're just, don't, don't be impressed with them. They think you're stupid. Don't follow them. They're banking on the fact. And look, if you look up the definition to those words, you'll find they're not even using them right. But they're just banking on the fact that no one's going to look, you know, they're just going to make up words. You know, like Mary Poppins or something, you know, just making up words, using all the words in the alphabet. That was the longest word or whatever. I don't know if that was Mary Poppins. I don't watch TV. So what do we learn? Was it Mary Poppins or was it the other witch? I can't remember. You know what I'm talking about. Our preaching should not, some of you know the song, our preaching should not require words of man's wisdom. The natural man cannot understand the things of God. See, I can't even understand the things of the world, you know. Um, We speak the hidden wisdom of God by the Spirit of God. We study the Bible by comparing the Bible with the Bible, and our number one focus and our only focus should be the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you say, well, that's moronic, then I'll just stand with morons like Paul. For I have determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Inspire heads and have a word of prayer.